0: This is WXOJ LP Northampton, 103.3 FM on the air and live streaming on the internet at valleyfreeradio.org. And you're listening to Under the Surface, a talk show with a focus on rarely discussed elements of everyday life. This show happens every Sunday, 11 to 12 noon, and I'm your host, Amy Landau. Thanks for joining me. One of my ongoing interests on this show is childhood. I think childhood is such a fascinating, wondrous time of of life because we're new to the world and everything is new to us. So our responses are somehow fresher and more original. Everything we encounter seems imbued with a special meaning. I guess the other reason I'm interested in childhood is because of my own nostalgia for the past. And when I think of this, I always have to check myself and ask, am I just nostalgic because of the fact that childhood is in the past? Has my memory with all its imperfections made me sentimental? And I can't deny that there is a certain wistfulness for the past, despite the painful aspects of it, just for a time that can never be recovered. And maybe I enjoy feeling wistful, and it's this wistful feeling in the present I like, more than any true desire to return to the past. I'm also just amazed at the passage of time— When you're young, a year seems like a long time. You know, you look forward to your birthday, and so much happens. But when you're older, everything kind of levels out, or it has for me. And a year goes by just insanely fast. The other day, I saw a baby who was just a few weeks old, and it stunned me to think, just to imagine that each of us were once so tiny and helpless, Just experiencing the world through our senses for the first time in that dazed, half-conscious state, utterly dependent on some big grown-up to care for us. I find that half-conscious, childlike state fascinating. In fact, childhood itself, and I'm talking even about age 7 to 12 years old, even that seems so far away to me, almost like a dream. When I look at a photo of myself as a kid or recall something from that period, it feels as if I'm trying to access some long lost channel of my being, as if I'm trying to see through some very long, shadowy tunnel. I suppose that tunnel is my life. But each new experience forms a new layer over the last one, making it harder and harder to see the past. And of course, to confuse things further, the past doesn't really exist, right? We're always in the present. It's all we know. So there is no tunnel. All of that's just an abstraction, a mental construct. And yet, so much changes. Sometimes I think that it's almost as if we were completely different people as children than we are as adults. But we somehow grew from that earlier being into this strange, altered state of adulthood. I mean, it's true that every single cell of our physical being on a biological level is different, but on a more internal, emotional level, I think we're, we're more similar to our child selves than we may realize or recognize just because of the power of those early experiences when we were so young. And the intensity of those early experiences is something else that really interests me. I can think of one example from my own life. This memory is pretty vague now, probably more of a memory of a memory that, that I have. It was my, I remember I was on an airplane And I think I was flying with my parents overseas to Europe. And I remember that during the flight, a mysterious voice, and of course, this is all very vague, but a mysterious voice came out of the ceiling of the plane and spoke while we were in the air. And I remember thinking, is that voice God? And even when I was told that the voice was the pilot, I still didn't quite understand. I thought, well, maybe the pilot is God, So now uh, I want to, you know, moving along from my musings, I want to bring in my guest and learn about his childhood. My guest for today's show is Steve Freeman. So hi, Steve. Welcome to the show. Good morning. It's great to have you here, Steve. I met Steve at a gathering one evening in Florence. Do you remember that, Steve? Yeah. Yeah, it was a group singing event, a really nice singing event at a friend's house um, and but I didn't really talk to Steve until later. So let's just jump right into this idea of interesting and intense experiences, or even misconceptions from childhood that I was just talking about. Do you remember anything like that from your childhood, Steve?
1: Misconceptions.
0: Yeah, or just things that seem puzzling to you when you were young. I guess that's kind of hard to answer on the spot, but you know, just confusing things as you were growing up.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um but uh, you know the first thing that comes to mind is um religious things. Mm-hmm. And you talk about God. Right. You know, uh I don't know as much as confused but not feeling it, not 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 jiving with what was being communicated to me both about God and about religion. Uh-huh. So it's I guess there was confusion in there, but it's it's more like I just, it didn't make sense to me.
0: And were you raised uh, as a Christian? or Jewish. Or, oh, right, Jewish. Jewish. Okay, so just going to synagogue and the whole experience exactly. exactly, seemed strange and remote at the time?
1: Yeah, so age maybe four or five or six, around there, mm-hmm. um, I I decided that this, I didn't believe this. I didn't, didn't wow. make sense to me.
0: You remember that? I remember that. Do you remember um, something that spurred that moment? Um,
1: yeah, I was. I, I think it was happening all at the same time, but it sort of solidified it. Uh, in In synagogues, they have plaques with little light bulbs, mm-hmm. and when it the plaque has the name of someone who's passed away, mm-hmm. and on the anniversary of their death, you 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 turn the little light bulb and it lights up for that memorial. But there aren't enough light bulbs for each hole, so a lot of them are empty, and they just move them around. Oh. So one day in synagogue, I'm leaning against the wall as the activities are going on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I stuck my finger in the, in the socket.
0: <gasps> oh, no. And I got a shock. Yeah.
1: But I didn't know the difference between, you know, you're warned, don't do that or you'll <laughs> die, you know, Wow! right? Uh-huh. So I thought I was going to die. Oh, so I went back to my dad, and, uh, well, I contemplated it for a few minutes, like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Uh-huh. So then I went to my dad. I said, could you take me home? Uh-huh. He said, are, are you not feeling well? I said, no. <laughs> so he took me home. I didn't tell him what happened. This was the evening time, so um, I got ready for bed. My mother was home, and she, I was just sitting on the edge of the bed, and she, she knew something was wrong, so she very sweetly started asking me, are you all right? And Mm -hmm. maybe she sat down next to me, and finally she got it out of me that I told her I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) die. I explained what happened, and then she, of course, explained that, no, I'm not going to die. Wow. But I I thought I was going to die. So I guess that fits into your misconception. Yeah,
0: and so when that happened, you started to think, oh, so the stuff they've been telling me isn't quite true, and maybe it's not even true what they're saying in, in synagogue?
1: You know, I'm thinking. I think I've mixed two stories together. I think it was already happening. Uh-huh. So maybe I don't know if that influenced my. I think I already felt that that uh, uh, right. questioning.
0: But I think it's so interesting yeah. that it has to do with these um, electric candles that were lit to memorialize. You said people yeah. who died. Yeah. And here you were curious a curious little kid about that <laughs> thing which has all this symbolism and weight mm, around it mm. and you put your finger oh, it's in there true. It's yeah true. and then you thought oh no i'm gonna die <laughs> <laughs> it's true yeah. i never thought of that yeah. wow so yeah. that's really a fascinating story i love it i love yeah. stories like that yeah um and i know that you told me about one experience that really shifted your worldview as a as a child or more of a t- maybe a teenager would you mind sharing that with us? Which one was that? Oh, I think it had to do with um, drinking. So this was a little bit older, but it's only if oh, you're yeah. comfortable with... Oh, Okay, yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know how old, 14 or 15. Okay, yeah. And um, I this was a very short period of time. I think in January, for New Year's, I started drinking. And then this was uh, just before Passover, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So I it was remember.
0: the first time you started drinking <clears throat> that you tried alcohol?
1: Eat, well, yeah, drinking to get drunk.
0: Right, right, right.
1: I mean, mm-hmm. there was always sips of wine or scotch or what yeah. have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so in January, I started drinking, and this was this January, February, March. So it was March or April. I was at a friend's house, and I basically chugged a whole gallon. Well, I don't actually remember, but I was chugging a gallon of Gallo wine.
0: Mm-hmm. Passed out. I remember those gallo gallons, yeah.
1: and <laughs> <Yeah>. and <clears throat> basically blacked out, uh, ruined the rug from my vomit. Mm-hmm. They had to throw the rug out mm-hmm. all over the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened for me, it 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 changed me mm-hmm. because I got to experience over that period of time what what alcohol could do to someone or mm-hmm. drugs, and. Is this the story you're talking about?
0: Yeah, this is yeah. the story because you said it kind of shifted your worldview, and some of it you still have today.
1: Yeah, so, so. I, um, I really became anti-intoxicants at that mm-hmm. point because I saw what it did to me, and I, I basically at fourteen or fifteen had this idea that if it's doing this to me, and other people are doing this, and I know the you know throughout the world people drink, and mm-hmm. it's a very it's, you know People are drunk all over the place. And I, I felt like maybe this is the cause of the world's problems. Mm-hmm. If people weren't intoxicated, mm-hmm. they would be able to – we wouldn't have wars. We wouldn't. Anyway, I'm not saying I feel exactly the yeah, same way now. Right. But that was my thinking back were, then. Did
0: you, but back then, were you seeing other <laughs> examples of behavior from adults that sort of – were you tied – were you made that association
1: I didn't have much contact with people who were intoxicated, okay. so I, I no, yeah. uh-huh. I didn't, no.
0: So is there any part of this that does carry over in your thinking as an adult today?
1: In regards to In that. terms
0: of intoxicants and, or, or behavior, you know, that that could be part of why we have problems in the world? Or is there any, any, I'm just wondering if any of that thinking, um... Maybe not about intoxicants, but just something else that adults do or whatever. I don't know.
1: Well, you know, I think it has to do, it ties into anything we do to distract ourselves from experiencing our truth, Uh the the truth that's inside of us, the truth that might be outside of us. and um,
0: Sort of an escapist behavior and the trouble that comes from that.
1: So people have to make their own choices, mm-hmm. and if if that's if that's what it is for them, you know, hopefully at some point in their life they will come out of that and yeah. be able to deal with whatever they need to deal with. So everybody has to make their own choices, but it's just one of the many things yeah. that we do, mm-hmm. uh, and and it could be anything that we do to distract ourselves. And sometimes we need a little refuge mm-hmm. from reality. <laughs> I don't particularly go to movies, but. You know, go. So people go to the movie or yeah. for me it's food. I love food, mm-hmm. you know. So, but it's it's when it's not in balance. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. you find that you're using it to escape from dealing with understanding your feelings, mm-hmm. um, your, what you're experiencing. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, so it's sort of like maybe everything in moderation. Well, mm. maybe not everything, <laughs> 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 but maybe moderation is a good mm. rule of thumb. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. So also, um, why do you think that childhood experiences seem so much more – I mean, to me, do they seem more profound to you than experiences you have as an adult, first of all?
1: is This this is tying back into what you were originally saying, right? Which was very wonderful. I oh, loved thank how you, you. what you said. Yeah, I, I did have thoughts on that. I don't know if it's exactly the question, so you might mm-hmm. have to steer it. Oh, me. no, it doesn't matter. Don't worry. I was thinking while you were saying that um, – because I'm very nostalgic also, mm-hmm. um, uh, especially in relationships, uh, um, coupled relationships. Yeah. Um, and I try not to ju- I try to see both parts, the parts that were uncomfortable, right. that needed to be worked on, and the parts that were wonderful. So, So I try not to live in the ignorance of the situation, but... Mm-hmm. There is, there's probably many reasons why people have nostalgia, even if it was a bad situation, maybe mm-hmm. because there's familiarity, you know, how people yeah. have talked about that. Yeah. But I think for me, it's that, that even today, I experience things in a mixed way. Mm-hmm. So if I go somewhere, like I went dancing on Friday night to the mm-hmm. dance uh, mm-hmm. to pollinate.
0: Oh, yeah. I almost went, but didn't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But I, I had a wonderful time, but at the same time, when the music's loud like that, not not that it's loud for other people, but for me, right. when the bass is, there's a strong bass, mm-hmm. it vibrates through my body and it's quite uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I noticed I wasn't even breathing mm. that well because mm-hmm. it, it brings up this element of fear mm-hmm. or, or I'm being bombarded somehow, you yeah. know, vibrationally. Yeah. and. So I'm not breathing, and so in a, in some ways, I was uncomfortable about that experience. On the other hand, I enjoyed it so um I was out socializing yeah. wonderful people, and I did move around and stuff. so if I think back into my past, that was also the case. Mm-hmm. You know, there was wonderful things that I enjoyed, and then discomfort mm-hmm. and and um I do remember some of the discomfort, but I think it's okay to remember the good things mm-hmm. um um, yeah, you know, of. I mean, of course, when we're dealing with stuff that comes up emotions, we have a fight with someone or someone does something that upsets us, you're tapping right into the past. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so you have a chance to uh, deal with the, uh, t- to the yeah. discomfort or mm-hmm. things that challenged you. But I think it's also okay to remember the wonderful things because there is love there. Mm-hmm. You know, there is, there is, um, Enjoyment and I remember smells, I, mm-hmm. I remember food, I remember mm-hmm. laughing with people. I think it's okay to have those yeah. be nostalgic about those yeah. because what, for me, when I'm nostalgic about that, it's not just, just that it makes me happy, it's not just that, mm-hmm. but it, it brings back a feeling of love. And I, and, mm-hmm. and, and, um, I might call that person from my past. Oh, you know well, or communicate to them and yeah. reach out so it can mm-hmm. it can actually be instead of just being isolated nostalgia right. in your yeah. mind yeah you can actually engage mm-hmm. you know just like facebook mm-hmm. can be just yeah facebook or you can actually yeah. communicate with people and get that's together that's
0: interesting that you say that because i just saw a college friend last night that i hadn't seen for 30 years so i was thinking a lot of these things you know I was, it, and it is great you know when it, you can and also just to have shared memories with people, mm, like that's yeah. a big yes. part of friendship is having yes. this history, a mutual history. Because where else is mm. that if if mm. it's not something that you share with your friend? You know, uh, I absolutely. mean, it's hard to keep it alive. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the memory. Um, yeah. So i um, You know, you mentioned familiarity and how that's part of nostalgia and I find that it's just strange like even objects that are familiar or remind me of objects I grew up with like a lamp fixture will just strike me in some deep deep way you know Mm. that it could it could never really or I I can't imagine it affecting me an inanimate object
2: Mm. today Mm.
0: and that is some you know not something from the past because it seems like it's like this little window that you get for a glimpse into that other existence. Mm. Have you, you? Do you know what I mean by that? Have you experienced that at all?
1: Yeah. And it's interesting you bring that up because for a while now, and, and more so at this very moment, I'm going through all my things. I'm reducing all oh. my things, including this nostalgia stuff. And uh-huh. I wasn't sure how I would do that. But it's actually been a really nice process. And so even stuff from relationships, mm-hmm. past relationships that I wasn't sure how am I get, how am I going to let this stuff go. Mm-hmm. But even that, I've let go. And mm-hmm. so what I'm doing is, I'm making different piles of what I want to give to people mm-hmm. as gifts, or just to give them people I think would enjoy that. That would be meaningful to them. Oh. So I'm reliving all <clears> those. Um, I went through all my photos to reduce that. Mm-hmm. Also, my father celebrating his ninetieth um, birthday six months early oh, this summer. Oh wow! Uh, so they wanted pictures for that. So mm-hmm. I started going. So I eliminated a lot of photos,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but went through every single one of them. Mm-hmm. To and so I'm a, I'm in this nostalgia place again. Right, right. And um,
0: and you sort of managed to kind of give life to, or kind of recreate these things in a way that's you know means something to like your father and other people so Mm. instead of just stashing them away in the closet right and clear your space yeah I I went through a similar thing and um, although I remember though I I brought some I packed some things when I moved here that I shouldn't have packed because (laughs) I don't know if you've had that experience here and one thing was just like a stuffed animal I, I mean I only had good memories from this stuffed animal but I just felt like I I had it out for a while and I just didn't like looking at it because it just felt too heavy Mm. just to see it. You know, so I I was like, okay, well, it's all right. I can get rid of that. You know, if I don't want to have to feel the heaviness, Mm. you know, for whatever reason that I feel when I see that Mm. object. So sometimes, you know, you need to just let go of stuff so that you can be in a new place. You know, Mm. just feel that you're in a new place not mm. a place from the past. Mm. Um, so what were you into as a kid? What were your hobbies and interests? Mm. Was there anything in particular that, um, I mean, were you into sort of a lot of the similar things that other boys were into or no. totally different?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I tried to play, play along. I mean, I I, I enjoyed hanging out with the guys in the neighborhood. But I really didn't even know how to play baseball. And But they, they, they were nice to me. They, so I joined them once in a while, but I didn't relate to it. I didn't mm-hmm. care for it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I liked games like spud, you know, uh, um, dodgeball. Things uh-huh. with like a big ball. Oh, okay. Uh, or scatterball. I don't know if you know that. So you
0: were pretty athletic.
1: No, no, I wasn't athletic. But, uh. I, but I, you know, if we were playing games like, or tag, mm-hmm. those kind of communal games where mm-hmm. it's not like, like a sport.
0: Okay, like hide and seek?
1: Hide and seek, (laughs) that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoyed being out in nature. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed music. Um,
0: Did you get fixated ever on on a particular thing, you know, like collecting something or just, uh, I don't know, dinosaurs, trains, any of those type of things? No. No, okay. No. So you're more eclectic.
1: I'm more eclectic, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right.
0: And did you have any particular friendships as a kid that were particularly important? And you know that? Yeah, my period,
1: f- the two people that stand out. Um, uh, there's a wo- well, she's a woman now, mm-hmm. Lisa Alpert. She lived across the street,
3: mm-hmm. Caddy
1: corner, mm-hmm. uh, and we're two months apart. So we kind of did everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still friends now. Mm-hmm. And then Michael Labalbo, mm-hmm. who
0: lived down the block. Mm-hmm. I hope they don't mind being mentioned on the radio. Well, I'm sure it's all good. Yeah. Um, and so you stayed in touch with them?
1: Michael passed away, oh. um, but Lisa, I'm still in touch with Lisa. Oh, st- okay. our fa- uh, our f- I'm very close with the whole f- her whole family. Mm-hmm. Oh. So like a couple of years ago, I visited her parents mm-hmm. and her sister and brother.
0: Do you remember how you first became friends with her?
1: You know, the parents, we were, she was across uh, the street with two, yeah. two yeah. months apart, basically... I don't have the picture, but, you know, we're in a bathtub together, and, Uh you know, we just, Uh we were just together. Uh parents kept us. You were very young.
0: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of times that's how friendships form, because the parents just sort of bring their kids to the playground together Mm. or whatever it is. Yeah, and there's that connection. Um, What do you think makes kid friendships different from adult friendships, or do you think they're really as different as they seem?
1: That's interesting. That's vaguely been on my mind when I watch kids play Mm -hmm. uh, in the last year, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a hard one. (laughs) You know, I remember when I was a kid that sometimes it would be as simple as – there. actually, it was something like one person would have to say, I like you. I remember (laughs) – maybe this was something just uh, of my experience or or typical maybe for other young girls. But I remember it would be, you know, sort of talking to the person then one day saying, I like you. And then it was like sealed – now you are friends. You have you have both said that you like the other person. So in a way, it was sort of up front mm. in a way that is not mm. – I mean, adults show they like each other in other ways. Mm. So, yeah.
1: I think um, for me, I was just kind of like friends with everybody. I was very yeah. very outgoing. Mm-hmm. But as I got older, that shifted. And I think now – this is my statement as an adult. Mm-hmm. For me personally, right that i'm I pick and choose who I spend time with and yeah. who um, who i 'm close friends with, mm-hmm. but I try as much as possible, and even when i can 't, I still try to include everyone mm-hmm. in my in my community, obviously right. you know i there's times where i I'm closed, yeah, but my intention is to. More than yeah. friends, in, in, you know, embrace mm-hmm. as as many beings as possible. Yeah, you've you talked know?
0: about that, and I find that really admirable and interesting. And I've thought a lot about how how closed so many kids were when I was younger, how, how there were these— and even in grad school, of course, I was one of the older people in grad school, and there were a lot of people in their 20s, but just— um, yeah, I've noticed that in Northampton I've met a lot of very welcoming people and I've thought a lot about how I've been in other environments where people were not so welcoming hmm. that remind me of being a kid and feeling, oh, you can't be in our group or, you know, just the different cliques and the feeling of sort of having to somehow prove yourself in order to be part of a group or, you know, accept it as a friend. Hmm. So, um I just want to yeah. say there's
1: two parts for me. There's yeah outwardly actualizing it, which is not always easy for me. So I just want to acknowledge that. So the process for me is is often internal mm-hmm. where I'm opening up even if I'm not communicating oh, to someone. I see. Yeah. But it's but I do try to do the external mm-hmm. element too. Yeah. So even if I miss the chance to mm-hmm. do it externally with someone. Right. I can always do it internally. So if let's say I'm walking down the street and I'm a little more introverted in that moment, something's on my mind or what yeah. have you and I and I don't smile at someone that in my heart felt like I wanted to smile too. That they, mm-hmm. I felt like they needed a smile that mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Then I'll if I if I miss that opportunity, then I will welcome them in my in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, that's in my heart In mind,
0: yeah, I, I like that because um, I've thought about that with you know friendships or estranged friendships. Like mm-hmm. there's a period where I might feel bitter or angry you know, about how the fact that I'm not friends with that person anymore. But another part of me is like, well, what about all the wonderful times I had with that person? Hmm. And can't that exist in me now also? Mm -hmm. I mean, can't that be true too? And can't I still kind of love that person without being an active friend to them in the same way as the past? So, yeah, that's been an interesting discovery. Hmm. Um, So what about bullies? Did Did you ever get bullied as a kid?
1: That's funny. That crossed my mind recently. I don't know why. Um,
0: because you're subliminally preparing for this discussion. <laughs>
1: well, I had forgotten it was a, it was going to be about childhood stuff. Oh, so I don't know okay. what what I why I was thinking about mm-hmm. it. I think current events. You know, I see a lot of stuff on Facebook about it. Was probably about bullying and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the answer is not much. Mm-hmm. Not much. There were a few incidents, uh, but somehow people didn't. I wasn't an aggressive person. Uh, I wasn't a dominant person, and often that would be the perfect candidate for someone who to be bullied. But mm, people didn't. Mm-hmm. I guess I didn't give people cause to to do that. I so so. Do you it,
0: think that it, people who get bullied do give cause?
1: Okay, I. I, <laughs> I, I I'm sorry. I, no, I, I mean
0: it's an interesting point. You know.
1: Um. Okay, let me think about that. No, because uh,
0: I I remember analyzing that a lot with a friend of mine cuz we both got bullied and talking about we read these articles about how it could be sort of a lack of um you know, recognizing social cues that sort of makes you vulnerable to being bullied.
1: Yeah, I I didn't mean the onus on right a person being bullied. That's right. that's not what I was meaning. Yeah. Um uh I think I think bullies uh, whatever cues whatever cues they're they're getting from their subconscious to pick on someone there's something there i mean it's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's my guess is it's not always arbitrary just like the, like there's something about the dynamics mm-hmm. that that um brings that out in them yeah you know yeah and so if for instance if someone's a very dominating person or Type A personality, or this or that, the then there you know more chance that they'll go after the person. So I wasn't suggesting that that the the other kind of person was asking for it. Right, right. Please, I definitely (laughs) was not saying that.
0: Yeah. Well, I I didn't exactly interpret you as saying that, but I was. (laughs) I I mean, I know what you're. uh, But I was sort of thinking that I know that. um, You know, it. I felt that you know, as somebody who is more open about my emotions and more vulnerable. That um, when you know bullies, people who have that tendency, I see a person who's mm. more vulnerable, mm. they're like, "Oh, here's an opportunity, you know, for me to sort of, right. you know, push that person around." Yeah. So, you know,
1: and the the amazing thing is now, as adults, especially in our bubble, our valley here, and mm-hmm. maybe some other places, that we you just explained is is an asset. The my vulnerability mm-hmm. emotionally mm-hmm. and being able to express that. Um, in with other people in community. It's an amazing thing, mm-hmm. you know. I tell people, um, and no problem to tell people, I love to cry. Mm-hmm. I love to ball. Mm-hmm. I don't even have a choice sometimes when I'm bawling it uh-huh. can, and it could be for beautiful things. Uh-huh. It could be for beautiful things. It's not always because something's sad, right? You know, I I don't know what it was yesterday. I'm, I'm on Facebook, just a couple of different things i'm bawling my eyes out Mm -hmm. deep gut kind of because it's so beautiful and deep Mm -hmm. and so whatever happened in the past uh with you know what might have been vulnerable as a child if we can get that back and be vulnerable Mm -hmm. with other people Mm -hmm. um to me, that's how love develops mm-hmm. between friends and relate and intimate relationships. It's that vulnerability.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? because it's something that is there under the surface. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's there.
0: <laughs> Using that phrase again. All right. Well, I think um, now we're going to um, just pause, and this is a great conversation, which we'll get back to. I just want to take a little musical break, and I want to play some music by, and let's see if I can say this right, Yorma Kaukunen. Kaukunen. And Josh Garrels. Um, so let's listen to that.
4: Times come for us to. Think of living as it was Into the future we must cross Must cross I'd like to go with you And I'd like to go with you You say I'm harder than A marble shaft about to fall I love you dearer than them all Them all So let me stay with you
2: Jim yeah.
0: And we're back. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just joining us, welcome. This is Under the Surface, and you're listening to WXOJ Northampton on the air at 103.3 FM and live streaming on the internet at valleyfreeradio.org. And we just heard two beautiful tracks during the break. One was Genesis by Yorma Kalkanen, and the other was Jacaranda Tree by Josh Garrels. And I'm Amy Landau, your host, and I'm here with my, my guest, Steve Freeman. And we're talking a lot about Steve's childhood today. And let's take a a step back now. Can you tell me where you grew up and just a little about your family life? Go ahead. Where you grew up. Go ahead.
1: County, New York.
0: You grew up in Rockland County, New York? In
1: a town called Muncie, Muncie, Mm -hmm. New York.
0: Okay. And did you have siblings? Uh,
1: I have two sisters. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Right. Were they they close in age to you?
1: No. uh, They're five and six years older than me.
0: Oh, that's quite an age difference. Did did you did that kind of affect the dynamic or did, were you always the little brother then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cuz I was just like 3 years younger than my brother and I was definitely the little sister. Mm. Did your sisters kind of um include you in a good way with either activities? Did you feel a part of their social lives or in some way?
1: Um when you I, were young. I I probably they I'm sure they included me quite a bit. I do remember times where I, I wanted to be with them. They had friends over and mm-hmm. um, and you know my mother would try to just have me do some other activities because my sister wanted their privacy. Mm-hmm. So I definitely did want to be with them quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. It normally wasn't an issue, but but mm, they yes. had to find ways to right. to get me <laughs> a, out of their way. Did you
0: look up to them a lot? Sure. Admire them? Sure. Yeah. Um and um what about your parents? Like uh what was their style of parenting?
1: It's funny. It's funny this is all very I've been thinking about a lot of this stuff. I don't know why. Um my as far as like uh, hitting and that kind of thing, I might have gotten slapped on the hand twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got punished a lot for misbehaving, but mm-hmm. they never. There was no physical uh, element to it. Mm-hmm. You know, is mm-hmm. that what the question? Was?
0: Well, is any that, way you want to interpret it, I don't know. I just did, did. You, you know, I'm just did. Did you do a lot? Has spent a lot of time with one parent more than the other, or both of them? And and yeah, I mean. What sort of things did you do together? Did you spend a lot of time reading books together or going places? I don't know.
1: I th- well, um, my parents got divorced when I was 14. Before that, on vacations, I'd go with my dad. He was a salesman for okay. a furniture company, and mm-hmm. he'd sell to, like, Macy's and uh, big stores. So I'd actually go with him and make the rounds and take the customers out to lunch and mm-hmm. – Actually kind of that enjoy it. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. uh, so,
0: That's kinda nice that he included you in his, his work life. That's yeah. sort of unusual. Yeah.
1: And then yeah. then we'd go to a play or at the ballet uh, once he took me to an opera. Uh so and we'd eat good food, he'd take us to nice restaurants and so so
0: um Oh and you said you have a love of food today. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I guess you got exposed to quality cuisine as a child
1: (laughs) that I don't remember I mostly remember the the cultural foods you Mm -hmm. know the the family foods and grandparents foods and Mm -hmm. stuff
0: right Um, and did did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up you know how there are these certain questions that every kid has to have an answer to what's your favorite color when's your birthday what do you want to be when you grow up did you have a a retort to that last one
1: yes and it wasn't very popular
0: it wasn't very. Pop- it wasn't very oh, popular. I'm curious.
1: So my grandmother, for some, I think my rest of my family was at um, 1967 World's Fair or something like that. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother was caring for me, and she asked me that question. And this is what I said to her: I said, "I want to be a garbage man." Oh. <laughs> and she was very upset, of course. But to me, it looked like a lot of fun mm-hmm. riding on the back of those trucks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it seemed like a certain kind of freedom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Later on,
0: there it does look that way sometimes. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at, of course I work hard now as an adult, but mm-hmm. back then it's like I wasn't sure what work was, and it looked yeah. like I didn't want to work so hard. Of course, I learned how to work hard, and I'm very glad about that. Um, but so I, it seemed like a lot of fun and a great way to have a career. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Related or not, I have no idea, but l- later I wanted to be go into the uh, uh, recycling industry, Oh. which I never did, but uh-huh. I actually contemplated. I went yeah. to see out to Seattle because uh-huh. they had a great program, and so I was like, wow, that would have been interesting. I would have actually been... In a sense, a garbage man.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting because that phrase "garbage man" of course sounds like the man is almost made of garbage. <laughs> you know, right? That's why they say sanitation man. Oh, okay. Which is a sort of a euphemism. Euphemism, but oh, well, not totally because because they take the garbage away, they're they're creating a cleaner environment. Yeah. But anyway, I didn't mean to. You can continue your thought. Yeah.
1: Well, now to bridge the first part of the conversation mm-hmm. from before and now one of the one of the early memories I have. Have had, I don't know if it's related or not. We, we were driving, my mother and father, and I was in the back seat. We were driving on the west, the east side, east side drive of Manhattan. Oh, and I saw some barges. They were garbage barges. I said, Dad, what's that? Big, he, they're barges with just full of garbage. Mm-hmm. And I said, Dad, what's that? He said, It's a garbage barge. Hmm. I said, Well, what are they doing with it? He said they're they they're taking it out to sea, and they're dumping it in the sea. Oh,
0: how did you feel about that? I,
1: oh, I was devastated. And I said, I said, well,
0: how long have they been doing that?
1: <laughs> and as you probably remember, your parents are very—you don't. Your perspective on age, like you said mm-hmm. earlier, is is mm-hmm. skewed. Mm-hmm. So, my father must have been in his forties, and mm-hmm. he said, well, as long as I've alive and way before that so I'm thinking endless amount of time which in a sense it is that they've been dumping garbage out to sea and I was I don't know how old I was I was older than I was Hmm. maybe eight
0: Yeah.
1: between eight and nine I was completely devastated and uh, I it impacted me tremendously
0: yeah and meanwhile you were probably being read books about like sea life and you know encouraged to have a respect for living things and Mm. it's just like a total kind of shock to find Mm. out wow what's what's happening to the this place the ocean you Mm. know that you know you think of starfish and you know um seahorses and octopus, all Mm. the beautiful creatures of the ocean the whales and as a kid that's sort of more what you're i think you're thoughts can be filled with that and then to find out that garbage is being yeah. dumped there it's like yeah uh, yeah and so that sort of did you say then you got into a career or some work involving recycling or you considered that when i was
1: older i considered it my degrees in environmental education mm-hmm. and um and and so my and m- throughout most of my younger days my sensitivity for how we treat the earth and ourselves, um, and other beings, was very heightened. And I was just thinking about the other day, actually, this week again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, you know, there the were reports. Of course, those of us who are aware, we know this kind of stuff just intuitively. But the factual reports coming in about how they're finding microplastic fibers mm-hmm. in everything, everything in sea, in the fish, mm-hmm. in us.
0: Oh, really? Ugh. Yeah, and um, it's not just from microwaving plastic or something?
1: It's, you know, plastic breaks down, yeah. and it breaks down, and it doesn't, it just breaks its particles down mostly. And so, you know, I've had to somewhat numb myself to survive as an adult for many, many, many years um, in a certain way yeah. in order to live and to yeah. be happy because yeah. for me it was always so overwhelming. It was something I couldn't turn off, my awareness couldn't turn off and so i
0: when you were a kid
1: yeah when i was a kid oh you got really it was just there and and disturbed by that yeah so human our human interaction with nature all of like i could not not make the connections i for Mm -hmm. me the connecting the dots just instantaneous Mm -hmm. and um it's 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 not something I could not see, so I had to numb myself to some degree mm-hmm. so now you know of course I'm trying to bring back that not get overwhelmed where I'm unhappy and unable right. to act right and of course we know that politically et cetera mm-hmm. but to but to be able to to um be aware enough and strong enough to take action mm-hmm. and to do something you know mm-hmm. um and not just get so overwhelmed that, yeah. that we basically, we're poisoning ourselves and yeah. so on and so on, you know. And, yeah, and it's interesting
0: things. when I listen to you talk because I, I feel like it's sort of, that's um, what adulthood seems to require in a way is to um, have to uh, screen out some things in order to be able to respond appropriately or not be overwhelmed, like you said. And yet we want access to the childlike sensitivity that mm. we had, mm. you know, to in order to take action at, at the same time. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So.
1: I don't know if you're into Buddhist stuff at all. Yeah, I am. <laughs> but uh, this morning, uh, you know, every, I, I, we all know what's going on in the world right now. Right. Everything is yeah. can be so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So what I did this morning, and this goes back to the bullying thing. Mm-hmm. See how everything's tied in? Yeah. Um, I, I, this morning, I started, um, some in the Buddhism, we call it metta, mm-hmm. uh, give a, a love and kindness, or, mm-hmm. or it can be just a prayer or, or, or just sending good intentions. Um, mm-hmm. and so what I did was, you know, certainly we should have compassion for someone who's being abused. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the people who are the abusers? So I was thinking about the Syrian situation yeah. and, and our and the whole judicial situation, right? You know, um, and I'm like sending out sending out the prayer for awareness to arise, mm-hmm. um, and and for for these people to make better decisions and you know trying to be for the
0: people in government
1: people in government Mm -hmm. people in the war zones Mm -hmm. um all of us yeah you know that that there's just so much negativity i can tolerate inside myself Mm -hmm. um before i will collapse Mm -hmm. and so actually sending out a different vibration of i mean mean, some people are probably like well it doesn't help well i don't know if it helps or not Mm -hmm. but if it, it it, I'm not going to take the chance that yeah. you know. I'm going to just do it,
0: and so, well, it helps you certainly, you, and that. it and it may help others. Certainly. But it, if if more people are doing that because it helps them, then more mm. people are being helped.
1: Yeah, you're sort so. of holding them and good, with good intentions mm-hmm. that although al- although they although they might who
0: who do you mean by they right now? Well, anybody, anybody,
1: anybody, it, you know that. Um, is, is is in my in my interpretation my persp- uh, my um, what's another word for that my y-
0: your worldview, your uh, perspective
1: something like that yeah your
0: vantage point your angle <laughs> my angle
1: <laughs> that that people are causing harm mm-hmm. to other beings other right. people uh, other cultures societies um, those are the you know people who are in charge and are making decisions. Yeah. Um, but it applies to any situation, so not just the not just the victims mm-hmm. but the people who who might have uh, for whatever reasons
0: the people perpetuating per- people the perpetuating
1: yeah. um, and the bullying <laughs> you know uh, um, pray for them to to be mm-hmm. able to develop mm-hmm. um, good intentions and mm-hmm. awareness. Have, have yeah. awareness arise inside them, uh, right. uh, you know, so that they, that they can take – make better actions, make better and decisions.
0: And also, you know, continuing to be part of a resistance movement is a hmm. good way to bring that awareness sure. <laughs> front and center sure. to the people in power. Absolutely. Uh, to empower ourselves, too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, let's see what else. We're we're going to we're getting close to the the end of the show now. So, now you're do you want to mention what kind of work you're in now since we touched on the the work that you thought you might do?
1: For about 22 years, although I took a little break for about a year and a half, I've been um working for the South River Miso Company up in mm-hmm. Conway, mm-hmm. and I actually live above the miso shop. Uh-huh. It's kind of a rustic, right. rural uh-huh. situation. Yeah. And there's, um, the Natural Roots Farm is is on the same property, mm-hmm. the CSA. Oh. Yeah.
0: So do you see that as tying into your environmental awareness as a child when you found out about you know what adults were doing <laughs> with the garbage?
1: Yeah, I thought I would be more in the educational element of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, more active in that way so this is more passive in in a way uh, but mm-hmm. um, in the sense that I'm not directly communicating with people in that way but yeah. you know it's, it's a wholesome product as much as possible and right. uh, wholesome work environment so in that way I feel very fulfilled and people are receiving a lot in terms of inspiration, good health um, so it's so the product is meaningful to people and they really appreciate it and it, it does have um transformational effects in terms of awareness mm-hmm. and um health as well so
0: where does the miso come from
1: you mean how do we make it
0: yeah or i mean it originally and it's, oh yeah uh
1: it's what is miso prop they think originally from japan mm-hmm. maybe over a thousand years ago this is mm-hmm. just rough mm-hmm. um and then i hear different stories maybe from did i say Ch- did i say japan yeah i meant china oh, Ori- okay. originally from china mm-hmm. either then to japan via monks buddhist monks or oh. through korea and then to japan Oh,
0: and here you are you're a buddhist so well i don't call myself okay <laughs> no labels <laughs> no labels <laughs> that's even more buddhist oops <laughs> 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 all right um Well, you've been listening to Under the Surface. I'm Amy Landau talking to Steve Freeman, and we're just about at that time where we need to wrap up. Steve, thank you so much for being a guest on today's show. It's been a real pleasure having you here. Likewise. Thank you very much. Yeah, and thanks for listening, everybody. Please tune in again next week, Sunday, 11 a.m. to 12 noon, and enjoy the rest of your morning. Have a great week.